Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Two wrongs don't make a right following the slap at the Oscars. Canada finally back at the FIFA Men's World Cup. McMaster students and staff will no longer have to wear a mask at school. What a year it was for Ontario's film and TV production industry. We chat about the annual April Foods Day initiative in partnership with Feed Ontario. TVO offering free math tutoring and will help you avoid being caught in the five-star fake-out. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. What in the world happened at the Oscars last night? If you went to bed early, you missed a fireworks display. And I'm not talking about, you know, a monumental upset when it came to awards or someone flubbing a speech or someone dropping one of the Oscar statuettes. I mean, that would have been noteworthy. But what happened last night was absolutely bonkers. Now, for the most part, it was a good show. It was an okay award show. It was, you know, your run-of-the-mill award shows. Too many hosts, in my opinion. Bring back Billy Crystal. Uh, that's besides the point. What happened last night was, as I said, just one of those moments in time where you're staring at your screen thinking, what just happened? Um, <laughs> so let me paint the picture for you. Chris Rock is on stage and he's doing his bit and, you know, he's making fun of things and fun of people. And one of the things that he's making fun of or one of the people he's making fun of is Jada Pinkett Smith who happens to be the wife of Will Smith. Also a guy who, you know, I think has a pretty good sense of humor. You know, you remember him from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days. And, you know, action movie star. Seemed like uh, at one point in time, any movie that he would make would be a big blockbuster hit. It's had few and far between since, you know, his glory days, quote-unquote. But last night, on the Oscar stage, Chris Rock is cracking jokes. And he makes fun of Jada Pinkett Smith's hair. And she suffers from alopecia. And uh, after he makes this joke, you can see Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith in in the shot. And Will Smith is kind of chuckling. Jada Pinkett Smith, not so much. She is not too pleased at all. So what happened next shocked the Dolby Theater audience and the millions more who were watching on TV. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh-oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. Nick. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? Wow, that was uh, intense. And I got to give a lot of credit to Chris Rock. You know, he's a comedian. He's supposed to make fun of things and people. We all know this. This is is nothing new. Um, But for what Will Smith had to do, yikes. I mean, what was going through his mind? And especially the the after slap barb, if you will. Um, not a good moment, not a good scene for Will Smith. And again, he was chuckling at the joke at first. And then to get physical, to show violence in front of millions of people, 
Um, huge thumbs down to Will Smith. Big thumbs up to Team Canada. Yes, the men's Canadian soccer team going to the World Cup. I can't believe I'm even saying that. Going to the World Cup for the first time since 1986 after blasting Jamaica 4-0 yesterday. Junior Hoyland, choose your adventure. Eustachio declare It was at the end of the day because the final was 4-0, 29,122 brave souls um, really feeling the elements, I'm sure, at BMO Field. It was cold, it was windy, it was snowy at times. The sun uh, was peeking out through the clouds from time to time during the game, which I'm sure made the celebration that much more um, enjoyable for those in attendance. And it marked... One of those moments in time for Canadian soccer fans, and you don't really have to be a soccer fan. You can just be a lover of Canada to enjoy in that kind of moment. But we also heard after the game from goalkeeper Milan Borian, who just happens to be from Hamilton. Milan Borian, you're going to a World Cup. How do you feel? Unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry for swearing. No, amazing, amazing. This is... Uh, uh. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I cannot express my feelings right now. Maybe in a couple of days, but right now I, I can't. It's everything is mixed. But you know, Canada should be proud of these guys. After 36 years to do something like this, you know, it's not just for us right now. It's for our future kids that uh, in the future years that they're gonna be able to continue this journey and everything. So. I'm really proud to be Canadian. I'm really proud of these guys. I'm really proud of Canada soccer. Um, uh, I don't know <laughs> what else to say, yeah, seriously. Thanks to One Soccer and Canada Soccer for the audio clips. What a moment it was at BMO. And you got the feeling that even entering the game, this was going to be Canada's moment. They seize the moments. They're off to Qatar this November and December if they do qualify for the knockout stage at the World Cup. Unbelievable. Never thought in my lifetime I'd see Canada back in the World Cup. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. McMaster University announcing that it is pausing its COVID-19 vaccination and masking requirements for students and staff. That'll happen on May the 1st. Susan Tai is the provost and vice president academic at McMaster University and joins us now. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Rick. Nice to be on the air with you. Thanks for coming on this morning. Why is McMaster making this move and why is it doing so now? Well, we, as you are aware, we actually had the policies in place and we extended the policies until the end of the winter term. But we're working very closely with public health and following the provincial government's lead. And so we've elected to pause our policies, at least for the spring and summer term, um, because, you know, looking at the data, we're not sure if we will actually eventually have to uh, reinstate them. So we thought at this point in time, we'll pause it. But I would like to say that we're encouraging people to keep their vaccination status updated. And as well, uh, in various areas on campus, we will be encouraging people to continue to wear masks. What do you think this move signifies? 
Well, it's really important that we actually follow our provincial government's guidelines. And certainly, uh, we have worked very, very closely with public health throughout the pandemic. And so, uh, essentially, we're we're wanting to be consistent with what's happening um, with respect to society more broadly. Have students and or staff been grumbling about keeping the masks on for the time being? What kind of feedback have you had from faculty, staff, students? I would say our student population and our staff, the McMaster community, have really embraced uh, the policies we had in place. We had very, very high um, acceptance of mandatory vaccination right from the beginning. And wearing masks has not been an issue. I think it's uh, people recognize that it's part of uh, public health and safety. And so they've, they've actually been very encouraged. And in fact, we had a number of our community members encourage us not to remove uh, the vaccination policy and the masking. So, um, you know, we're pausing it. Um, I think what you'll see if you come to campus, there will still be a number of people wearing masks. And certainly in uh, specific areas, they will continue to wear the masks. Susan Tai is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Provost and Vice President Academic at McMaster University. A Mac announcing that it's COVID-19 vaccination and masking requirements for students and staff uh, will be paused as of May the 1st. How are things on campus these days? Well, great. It's been, we've had a very successful winter term. I think everybody has really been quite happy to be back on campus. Um, you know, as as we started in the, the start of the winter term, we had a phased in approach to bringing people back. And we, it was very successful in the sense that we didn't have uh, any outbreaks. Um, people were, were really happy to be back, doing lots of hands-on learning. So it's been really great to be back on campus and see our students, um, you know, having these opportunities. Uh, the residences, of course, have been full since the fall term. So I think it's been it's been really great for everyone to kind of get back to what we like to do, research, teaching, and, and really try to provide our students with the best student experience as possible. The new norm for many people in the, the workplace across the country, really around the world, has been either working from home or now stepping into a hybrid type of model is is that kind of uh, talk going to be ongoing at McMaster in terms of maybe hybrid teaching or learning uh, down the road? Yeah, so, you know, that's a great question. And we've really, for this term, we really emphasized for the most part, getting back to hands-on, in-class, in-person activities. But, you know, something we've learned a lot in this pandemic, we've learned how to deliver curriculum in new and innovative ways. And so moving forward, I do believe that we will have some course components and some courses will be hybrid taught. Um, we we do know that um, that we can deliver curriculum uh, using some of the new tools. So we're going to do that, um, you know, and there's certain um, input that we've had back from our instructors to say, when I'm teaching this course, 
it really actually is being delivered more effectively, um, you know, hybrid versus other courses. You know, obviously a lot of our lab courses, our clinical activities, they must be in person. So, yeah, so we're, we're really using it as an opportunity to think about how we deliver curriculum in new ways. And I think that hybrid is here to stay for a little while. It's good to hear, Susan. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Susan Tai is the Provost and Vice President Academic at McMaster University as the school pauses its masking and vaccination requirements as of May the 1st. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Ontario reported a blockbuster 2021 for film and TV production last year. Nearly 400 productions brought in $2.88 billion for the provincial economy. That is some serious dough. Karen Thornstone is the president of Ontario Creates, a provincial agency that facilitates economic development, investment, and collaboration in creative industries, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Karen. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm well, thank you. Glad to be with you. Before we get to the the uh, gargantuan numbers from last year's film and TV production, what did you make of the slap last night? Did you see it? What have you heard? What do, what do you think? I didn't see it, and I gotta say I was holding my breath for an Oscar win for Nightmare Alley that shot in Hamilton, so <laughs> that was my focus last night. How has Ontario managed to become such a big production hub? Well, you know, I think we, in Ontario, we really have the, a total package of, of amazing talent and, and deep infrastructure and, and strong financial incentives. Uh, so it, it makes us a really attractive jurisdiction for producers looking to shoot here. We've got, um, you know, a, a, an incredibly diverse and, and deep talent pool. We've got world-class crews. We've got, you know, film-friendly locations and and I should say, and film-friendly location offices like like the city of Hamilton offers, uh, and that's that's extremely attractive to um, producers from around the world. So it's way more than the price point or the incentives that you mentioned. There's there's much more that this province can offer. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think in in many ways, what Ontario you know does best is on the talent side. So we have you know we have performers from around the world. Um, we, we can represent locations that, uh, that look like Canada and that look like pretty much any other uh, place around the world that you might be needing for your particular production. How has Hamilton played a role in the, the burgeoning TV and film production industry? Hamilton is probably one of the the top jurisdictions that we've got in Ontario. I think the Hamilton Film Office reported a record-breaking year themselves last year with almost $70 million uh, worth of production that happened uh, in in that area. And that means, you know, economic impact for crews, for suppliers, for vendors, so that the spinoff goes way beyond the, the productions themselves. And you were home to... Well, Nightmare Alley, as I, as I talked about, but lots of other, you know, very high-end productions. The projects like The Handmaid's Tale and Painkiller and Mayor of Kingstown were all shot in Hamilton over the course of the last year. And those success stories, they just breed further success because the proof is in the pudding. Things have been shot here in Hamilton. They've been ultra successful. And that just, uh, you know, uh, spreads the word that, hey, Hamilton's a great place to, to shoot a film or, or a TV series. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as I say, a very deep talent pool. 
uh, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. So not only are there, you know, performers, but think about all the jobs that are that are involved. We we employed forty eight thousand people in this industry last year, and that's everything from lighting and makeup and and carpenters and so on, through to production managers and craft services and post-production, so VFX and animation and even, you know, accountants and drivers. So there's a tremendous uh, career potential in in these uh, projects and and employment as well. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Karen Thornstone, president of Ontario Creates, the provincial agency that facilitates economic development, collaboration, investment uh, in uh, these creative industries like film and TV production. When it comes to those film and TV producers who are looking to set up shop and are eyeballing Hamilton or another spot in Ontario. How much of that is from elsewhere in Canada? Is most of that from the U.S. or maybe even other countries? It's it's a little both, actually. Um, Ontario, I think, is very lucky in the sense that we have a very nice balance of domestic production along with foreign service production, and that helps to um, shelter us against fluctuations in the Canadian dollar and so on, but it also, um, you know, ensures that there's there's lots of job opportunities and growth opportunities for our domestic producers as well. So think of projects like Murdoch Mysteries that's been, I don't know, they're into their 11th or 12th season now, and they've certainly shot lots in Hamilton. And those are shows that, you know, that are Canadian, they're Ontario, but they they travel all around the world and they've made us a success story. Karen, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us and good luck here in 2022. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Take that, care. That is Karen Thorne Stone, president of Ontario Creates, as the Ontario film and TV industry last year had 394 production shoots. $2.88 billion for the Ontario economy. That is some serious dough. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. 900 CHML among a number of chorus radio stations participating in the annual April Foods Day initiative in partnership with Feed Ontario. What is this all about? Well, we're about to find out. Susan Hay is an anchor and producer of Making a Difference on Global and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Rick. Nice to hear from you. Nice to be on your show. It's great to have you on our program. What is April Foods Day all about? Well, it's something we started, uh, a global initiative back in 2016. And at that point, we would go into, you know, we'd partner with a local grocery store. Our team would go in. We'd partner with um, the local food banks. And we would, you know, raise money to help those in need. And it's uh, been something that started with the GTA, now it's across the province. So a big push this week. We kick off today, March 28th, through to a Sunday, where you can, um, for $1, you know, get someone in need three meals. But if you can start today by texting to donate food to 45678, and um, it goes throughout the month of April. Why was it important for you to be involved in this initiative? Well, hunger is a real problem, and more so uh, today. You know, it started well before the pandemic, but it's something that um, is near and near to all of our hearts at Global News and Chorus Stations because more and more people are using food banks and um, people who never thought they would. So to jump on board and to use my platform to spread the word that people need help, um, of course I'm going to be there. 
Susan Hay is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Susan is an anchor and producer of Making a Difference on Global. And you mentioned the need. Nearly 600,000 people in this province accessed a food bank last year. Though that, that number to me is just astronomical. Absolutely. And they say that one in three visitors is a child and that that number is growing. Tonight on Making a Difference, I profile Rachel Dixon. She's the Director of Development for Feed Ontario. And she said the main reason people are hungry is because of a lack of income, not a lack of food. And that says it all. We need more programs because it's devastating. It's devastating in the world what's going on right now. But to think that our province, so many people are going to food banks. But the, but the other thing is, Feed Ontario said, because, because they're doing this great work and they're working with all these food banks, there is food there for people who need it. So when you, you know, text to donate 45678, and you can do it throughout the month of April, you're, you're also um, helping to, to keep that food going for those people in need. Or you can go to globalnews.ca slash Toronto Click on April Foods Day to donate online, and you also have an online where people can go uh, 900CHML.com. We're going to be chatting with uh, Rachel Dixon this coming uh, Friday, April the 1st, about uh, the April Foods Day initiative. And, you know, hunger is, is nothing new. This was going on even before the pandemic, but how has the last couple of years impacted things? Well, I think, you know, at the start of the pandemic, as you mentioned, it was already going on where more and more people were using food banks. Um, but it's just gone, you know, so much further in the last two years. And it's, and we're, you know, to say we're coming out of a pandemic, it's going to continue. The real need won't be felt for two years down the road. So what Feed Ontario is doing with all these food banks is so needed. I mean, they provide Um, They were established in 1992, and they're the largest collective of food banks in Ontario, and they serve more than 1,200 organizations in 130 locations. So when you donate, that money goes towards your local food banks right across the province. And that one here in Hamilton, of course, is Hamilton Food Share. Have you uh, heard about a fundraising goal, or is this just a case of, hey, any amount is going to help a lot of people? That's right. Any amount is going to help a lot of people, and I think that's what we've been striving since 2016, you know, when we were able to go into the grocery stores and reach people in person, and then that all stopped because of COVID. But we continued our initiative, and I think it's done well because it moved from the GTA to across the province now, um, and we need the food to be there for, for the people who need it. And it could be your neighbor. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It's people that you know, are losing their jobs or, or their job isn't, isn't enough right now for how everything is climbing, gas prices, food prices. So people really need to access their local food banks. It's a great initiative, and you can donate by grabbing your smartphone and texting the word FOOD to 45678. You can donate 5 or $20, or you can go online to globalnews.ca or 900chml.com and click on the April Foods Day uh, banner on the website. Susan, really appreciate the time. Best of luck with the initiative. Thank you so much. You too. That is Susan Hay, anchor and producer of Making a Difference on Global, a um, an amazing feature each and every night on Global News. Again, donate by texting the word FOOD to 45678. You can donate 5 or $20, or you can go online to 900CHML.com. 
You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Is your child or grandchild struggling with math? Now, way back when, that would have been me. Struggling with math mightily. Well, TVO, you may not know, is offering free one-to-one math tutoring for students in grades 4 to 11. It's kind of cool. Here to speak to it is the CEO of TVO, Jeffrey Orridge. Jeffrey, good morning. Welcome to Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Hamilton. Yeah, thanks so much. There's a lot happening at TVO these days, and including what you talked about, uh, the expanded focus on learning and education. You know, most people know TVO through TVO Kids or uh, our award-winning documentaries and, of course, the agenda with, uh, with all of our own Steve Pakins. Um, but uh, but we're, we've got this expanded opportunity. Uh, that's the big news today uh, for free math tutoring service that's, uh, that's now serving students from grades 4 to 11 across the province. And like I said, it's, it's free uh, math tutoring, any, available to anybody in Ontario public and Catholic school systems all the way from, from 4 to 11 with real certified Ontario math teachers. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's the best deal in town. Why, free. why was it important for TVO to go down this route? You know, we've, we've always focused on inspiring learning that can change the trajectory of somebody's life and, and, and you know, consequently um, enrich their communities. But this is a real expanded focus because in the last couple of years, we've really uh, been looking to uh, give more access to, to quality online learning resources uh, due to the pandemic. So this, is, this has been increasingly important for us. We've always been focused on, on we've, we've been a learning organization, um, and now we're, we're, you know, aspiring to be a, a, a digital learning organization. So if you have uh, a homework question you're struggling with, um, this Mathify program can, can help you with it. And all you have to do is just Google TVO Learn, then scroll down to the bottom of the page where you'll see the Mathify button, and then you're all set. And even if you don't have a specific question, but you're having trouble with angles or fractions or algebra, um, these Ontario um, certified math teachers are, are there to help you. And, and probably, you know, you mentioned that you had difficulty with math. Well, so did I. And probably had I had this opportunity and resource, I, I would have been a, a, a doctor instead of a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Orridge is our guest. He's the CEO of TVO, also the former CFL commissioner, if you recognize the name as well. Is is this the beginning of a greater role in education that TVO is committing to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we're we're going to do additional things um, with our content uh, to make sure that it's applicable both inside the classroom as well as outside the classroom. Uh, Everything that is... uh, uh, education-related and education-based. And so things like our documentaries, we'll start uh, adding um, uh, opportunities for um, uh, teacher-inspired uh, um, educational content um, as well. So, uh, so we'll continue to do that. How do you reach those in uh, really communities across this province who don't have access to the Internet? Obviously, they can go to the library. They might not have the means of going to the library or not even know that it's available there. How do you get to those communities? Well, you know, we still have a broadcast channel, right? So that's the other thing. And and what we did 
during the pandemic is we, uh, we had a, a program called Power Hour of Learning, where you actually had a teacher um, that would work through uh, problems or, or, or a classroom setting uh, for broadcast as well. And TVO has podcasts. Um, so, you know, the, the idea is people, most, of, most people know TVO through, through television to begin with, but, but that's what we're going to continue to focus on um, in all aspects of our content. It's going to be uh, certainly um, education-focused, uh, education-related, um, and some of it is education-based, uh, working on actual Ontario curriculum and providing that as well. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Jeffrey Orridge. He is the CEO of TVO, also the former CFL commissioner. I only got about a minute. And uh, I, I want to ask you about the Canadian Football League is contemplating perhaps going to a four-down game as opposed to a three-down game. Your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts are that's been contemplated uh, many times <laughs> during, <laughs> during the, the, uh, the recent history of the CFL. When, when I was commissioner as well, um, there was discussion about it. Um, obviously, it's a hot-button topic, and uh, what makes uh, Canadian football Canadian in so many ways is, uh, is three downs. And, and, you know, I think points of differentiation are really important. I think the most important thing, however, is it's high-quality uh, sports competition. You know, the CFL is is one of the most exciting um, sports on the planet, with incredible athletes and and uh, and just you know just fun to watch. So whether it's four downs or three downs, um, I'm sure that people are going to find it just as exciting um, because it's it's just it's great entertainment and it's affordable and it's accessible and that's what we all love about the CFL and it's truly Canadian. Jeffrey, appreciate your time today. Good luck with the uh, one-to-one math tutoring for students in grades 4 to 11 that TVO is offering. Thanks again. Thank you, Rick. Take care. You too. Jeffrey Orridge, CEO of TVO, former CFL commissioner as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. To mark Fraud Prevention Month, the Competition Bureau is sharing an alert warning consumers about... The so-called five-star fakeout. What the heck is that? Tom Steen is a major case director for mass marketing fraud at the Competition Bureau and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm very good. Yourself? I'm not too bad. What in the world is the five-star fakeout? Well, these are fake reviews that, uh, that, that appear online when consumers are shopping online to, to buy various products and services. Um, and these, what we mean by fake reviews are reviews that uh, are written by the company or their employees, or the company has given incentives to consumers to write po- positive reviews and it's, that's not disclosed. Or the other situation is where uh, the, the company f- promotes a third party to write fake reviews on its behalf. So is it against the law to do so? It is. It is if uh, these claims are representations or claims made to the public to promote uh, the company's product or service, and they're often important or material to consumers' buying decision. Uh, so in, in, in that instance, yes, they could be illegal under the Competition Act. So how does one recognize a fake review? I mean, run our phones or tablets or computers all the time. We're looking at, you know, two stars and three stars and five out of five stars and some, you know, great commentary about a product or service. How do we weed through the phoniness of some of these? You, ha- you have to do your work. Um, so 
The first thing we always tell consumers for any type of fraud is take five. So take five minutes, take a deep breath, think about that review. Does that really seem like a, an honest review? Should I do more research? And getting into research, don't look at just the five stars, look at the in the middle, five stars or one stars, look in the middle, the three and fours, look for common language, uh, look for over the top negative or positive words that promote the product without giving any examples. So these are some of the things you can do and our warning signs that how you can uh, spot them. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Tom Steen, major case director for mass marketing fraud at the Competition Bureau. Um, are most websites uh, well equipped to, you know, really allow you to identify what's a fake review or not? It's not so much the, the websites itself. I, I, I don't I don't think it's, uh, it's 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 more the reviews themselves, what they say mm-hmm. uh, that consumers should be careful of. Uh, and again, don't just look at one website. Uh, depending on the product. There can be multiple websites that, that review the product or service you're looking at. So when you when you have that ability to look at multiple websites to get a better picture, you definitely as a consumer should take advantage of that. So if a consumer spots something that they think is eh, might not be 100 percent truthful, what should they do? Well, the first thing they should be leery uh, about buying that product if, if they're basing it on that review they don't think is accurate. And second of all, they should complain to the Competition Bureau at competitionbureau.gc.ca so we can take a look at it. Has the Competition Bureau uh, received a lot of complaints about these uh, five-star fakeouts? I don't have an exact number, but we received a a fair number. It's it's a significant problem. And not just the Competition Bureau, but our law enforcement partners and and police forces and consumer and territorial provincial governments, as well as our international counterparts, have all received complaints of uh, fake or phony online reviews. And and are these phony reviews showing up really everywhere when it comes to products and services? Say you're trying to book a, a, you know, a, a vacation or something at a resort, or you're just buying, I don't know, something on Amazon or whatever website you're on. Are they basically everywhere? They are. Uh, they're, they're, not, they're not centered on one industry, or one product service or things like that. They are, they are everywhere. So consumers really need to to follow the advice I've, I've said, be really diligent no, uh, no matter what you're buying. Um, fake reviews could be everywhere online. Tom, uh, thanks for shining a spotlight on this, and thanks for joining us this morning. You're very welcome. Have a great day. You too. That is Tom Steen, Major Case Director for Mass Marketing Fraud at the Competition Bureau. And uh, yeah, be on the lookout for these fake reviews. Some of them I think are easy to spot, right? Like uh, you're scrolling through the reviews and a few of them just say, you know, it's the best ever or it's the worst ever. Or, you know, five out of five stars, really short and, well, not so sweet. Those, you know, always to me raise a bit of an eyebrow. It's like, really? It's the best ever? Can you give me more details? No? Because you're a phony account? Oh, okay. I understand. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.